When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Titan-Sized Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan-Sized Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. Matthias rejoins us after missing last week. The band is back together. Uh, Matthias, give everyone an update on uh, your, your situation with your house after Hurricane Irma and, and everything that's that's going on with that in that area. Yeah, it's good to, good to be back. Uh, so I evacuated uh, last Thursday. Uh, I actually went to Nashville, and uh, I actually ended up going to the game, uh, and I saw Luke at the game, so that was fun. Uh, wasn't fun that we lost, but I always loved going to the to Nissan Stadium and, and watching the Titans, and that was actually the first time I've ever seen Marcus Mariota play in person, uh, because last time I went was uh, week 17 of last year, and I got to see Matt Castle tear it up, so, <laughs> so that was fun, but uh, it was good to see Mariota in person, even though we lost. And uh, yeah, no, my house is fine actually. We got back, we got back after a long drive earlier this week, um, but everything's fine. We never lost power, so so that was good. I'm just ready to ready to to keep chugging along here. So this week and this weekend, the Titans head to uh, to Jacksonville to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. There was a little bit of discussion early in the week as to whether the game would be relocated. Because of the hurricanes in Florida, it will not be. It will still be played in Jacksonville. And uh, I I just want to start off with this because I think this is something that the Titans can do to not just because if the Titans win, uh, they move into first place in the AFC South in week two, which is pretty meaningless. But, But it's important to control your own destiny, I guess. But more than anything, if the Titans win this week, and they're able to hold the Jaguars without a sack. Uh, poor social media intern at Jacksonville is going to have to take down the uh, hashtag Saxonville garbage that is on their Twitter account right now. Mm, God, I really hope they, they have to do that. It's such a terrible name. I, ju- I hate everything about the Jaguars, but I'll get into it later. Yeah, forced puns are the worst. <laughs> So, so let, let's talk a little bit about the idea of Saxonville. Uh, ten sacks against the Houston Texans, which is kind of unheard of, even as much as, as offenses are passing the ball these days. Uh, Calais Campbell had four sacks. Dante Fowler finally seemed to come alive. 
Unfortunately, though, those numbers did come against one of the worst offensive lines in football belonging to the Houston Texans. This week, they faced the Titans offensive line, which features two of the best uh, tackles at their respective positions, as well as, as a quality veteran center and two pretty good guards. Do you guys foresee Jacksonville? Obviously, they're not going to have 10 sacks, but do you foresee them having similar success against the Titans? I don't. I mean, they might get a couple sacks here and there, but I mean, the Titans went up against a pretty good uh, defensive front in the Raiders, uh, especially with Bruce Irvin and Khalil Mack as uh, outside linebackers. Uh, and the Raiders only got one sack. Uh, it, it was split between Mario Edwards and, and and another guy. I can't really remember who it was. But <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think the. I don't, I don't think the Jags will have the same type of success, especially considering the Texans' offensive line is is putrid right now, especially with Dane, Dwayne Brown out. Um, and the the Titans' offensive line played pretty well uh, in Week One, uh, especially Taylor Luan and Josh Klein. Klein didn't give up. Uh, I don't think he gave up a, a pressure or a quarterback hit or or any of that uh, in week one. Jack Conklin had a had a rough game, uh, but I, I think he'll 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 get back on track uh, this week. I hope he does because he's probably going to go up against Calais Campbell pretty often. Yeah, I mean, uh, last night we all kind of watched regrettably the Bengals and Texans play each <laughs> other, and uh, the Bengals defense got three sacks last night without really rushing you know they would rush on uh, running downs and they, they would bring guys then but other than that it was just a lot of x stunts and straight bull rushes and geno adkins ate suafilo alive and you know other than geno adkins and carlos dunlap you'd be hard pressed to remember the guys who played so i mean they're they're just a bad group right now so I, i'm not super worried you know that Tennessee's offensive line won't be able to hold those guys back. Calais Campbell is really good, but but like we talked about, the offensive line of the Titans is so far ahead of anything the Texans could put up that I, I think it was more mirage than anything. Mm-hmm. I agree. On the other side of things, after the retirement of Brandon Albert, uh, the Jaguars' offensive line does have center Brandon Linder, who is a pretty good player. Uh, but other than him, they're a pretty putrid offensive line as well, which uh, bodes well for the Titans because their pass rush was almost non-existent against the Raiders this week. And it seems like that's not going to be the case this week and that guys like Arakpo, Derek Morgan, who did have a sack last week, and especially Jarrell Casey, who did not look good at all last week against Oakland's top-tier interior offensive line, those guys are all going to be able to rebound this week. Yeah, the pass rush should should definitely be better. Um, last week they were going up against uh, a very good uh, Oakland Raiders offensive line, possibly a top three unit uh, in the entire league. Uh, and the Titans had to scheme a sack for Wesley Woodyard uh, because they weren't really getting much pressure, uh, and they weren't getting much pressure because, uh, like I said, they have a good. The Raiders had a good offensive line, and Derek Carr was really getting the ball out really quickly, so it was tough to to get home. Uh, Derek Morgan got home on one sack, which it was a really good play on his part. Uh, but Arakpo was kind of he was kind of non-existent uh, in my opinion, and Jarrell Casey uh, didn't get much pressure on the quarterback either. But uh, they're going up against a, a much worse offensive line in the Jaguars, uh, even though it might not seem that way because the Texans couldn't even get a sack. Uh, last week, um, but they couldn't do that because Blake Bortles threw the ball 21 times. That's kind of hard to get sacks when, when, uh, when they drop back that that low 
of a number of times, but uh, I think the Titans pass rush is going to rebound for sure this week. Yeah, I mean, the Titans are historically a really good run defense over the last couple of years, um, give or take a couple of games. But, uh, you know, I think the Marshawn Lynch aspect of last week is a little overrated because he was out for drives at a time to rest. And then when he did come in, he was fresh and ran behind a great interior line. So I don't expect that the uh, Jacksonville offense will be able to run at the same rate. It took... Uh, Fournette, I think, 26 carries to get to 100 yards. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's not very efficient at all. So if the Titans can just keep the running game in a bad position and force Bortles to pass the ball, they should be able to get easy pressure there. They've they've always had a pretty good uh, pass rush against Jacksonville anyway. Uh, I was just going to say that um, the Jaguars, at least their running game, is kind of similar to the Raiders because Marshawn Lynch uh, is kind of similar to Fournette and even Chris Ivory, who's the Jaguars' backup. And uh, Fournette and Ivory really didn't, like, hit any home runs. Uh, they just kind of moved the chains uh, because the Texans couldn't tackle them. Um, so, I mean, and the Titans couldn't tackle Marshawn Lynch last week. So the Titans definitely have to tackle better if, they're, if they want to keep the, the Jaguars' offense off the field. I'm glad you guys bring up Leonard Fournette because he was the uh, fourth overall pick of the draft. You mentioned that his running style is very similar to Lynch and that they're both big backs who are going to try to fall forward and power their way through. The thing about Leonard Fournette is if you keep him boxed in, he's not going to be able to do a ton other than fall forward and just tire out your linebackers. If you give him a seam Mm -hmm. and an open space, unlike DeMarco Murray who works best between the tackles, and isn't the fastest guy in the world, Leonard Fournette will be gone very quickly. And so that's something the Titans are certainly going to have to keep a a, a tight hold on, is keeping him in the box between the tackles. It's okay if he runs for five or six yards every now and then, but you don't want him to break a long one. Yeah, I think the difference between Fournette and Marshawn Lynch is Marshawn's a lot better at bouncing around and using jump cuts um, just to move around uh, in tight spaces. Uh, Fournette really needs a, a head of steam uh, to get going and holes at least for him to just uh, get a clear view of a hole and just hit it. Uh, and if he does, it, it's it's hard to stop because he's so quick uh, at such a big um, uh, at such a big size. So the if the Titans can just at least plug up holes and not let him get going that quickly, um, then I don't think Fournette's gonna gonna do all that much damage against the Titans this weekend. Yeah, uh, Fournette's just Derrick Henry with a higher price tag. I mean, they're not that much different. There, there's, I mean, there's really not. Like, it, we can go back and look and talk about how productive uh, Fournette was, but then you, all you got to do is look at Alabama stats and see how productive Derrick Henry was when he won his Heisman. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. Fournette never got the Heisman, so I, I, you can't use college production in that way. Um, except, And also, Derrick Henry was healthy his whole career. So, you know, I, I, I don't... I don't have this fear of Fournette that everybody kind of does because he said the NFL is easy and then went out and had an under four yards per carry average. So uh, (laughs) he, he still has a lot to prove to me, especially, you know, when rookies in Kansas city are doing a lot better than he is. So we'll, we'll see how that goes, but I, I don't expect him to make much hay, especially on a one-sided offense. That's something I'd love to see Derrick Henry in, in an offense like that. I wonder how he would do. He'd do the same. He, he'd get he'd get 45 carries and finish with 180 yards, and then 
he'd look yeah. great after the season, but he'd be worn down and he'd have to take off next season. I mean, he, he's going to do exactly what Fournette will do. Yeah. I'm glad you guys bring up the point about their offense kind of being one-dimensional because that's something that I've kind of put down as a key for the Titans to win this game is that you have to make this a one-dimensional game for the Jaguars. You have to stop the run. I don't care if you have nine people in the box and two safeties. You have to stop the run and make Blake Bortles throw the football 35, 40 times. Yeah, you kind of saw with the Bengals last night. Everyone knew the Texans were going to run the ball. Uh, and the Bengals, even at times, they neglected to just to even uh, put all their guys in the box um, and just double cover DeAndre Hopkins, which was an interesting strategy. But I definitely think the Titans should just to just absolutely load the box, put eight guys in there if you have to, do whatever you you want to do, and let your guys play main coverage because are Marquise Lee and Alan Hearns really going to beat you? Alan Robinson can't play. He's injured. He's out for the year. I mean, Marquise Lee's not bad. He's not a bad player at all. Um, but he's more more of a, th- a third option kind of guy, maybe in the slot. So those guys aren't going to beat you deep. They really don't have any deep threats right now. Uh, it would have been D.D. Westbrook, but he's also on he's on IR. So I don't I don't I don't see any receiver on that team that could beat you deep. So we should be playing the short game and just loading up the box. Yeah, I mean, I think the Titans defense allowed no plays over 20 yards definitely no passing plays Mm -hmm. over 20 yards last week against crabtree cooper uh cook you know guys who are definitely more athletic than what we're going to see against jacksonville you know they're if you can get them down to their third wide receiver they're going to have to play aurelius ben or keelan cole who keelan cole looked all right in the preseason he dropped a lot of passes so but he looked kind of like that will fuller type of guy but I mean, if you can get him down to that third guy, you've got to feel comfortable leaving man coverage across the board and just bringing pressure against Cam, Cam Robinson, who'd have to hold against somebody like Brian Rackpo. You know, you have to like that matchup. So you mm-hmm. want to force them into that situation in third and seven, third and eight, where they're thinking, you know, okay, we've got to take a shot or we've got to pass and hit a screen or something, you know, where they can't think I'm going to try to run the ball. Because Fournette may slip, you know, he may get the edge and he may slip out on the boundary for 12 yards. But I'm, I'm much more confident if you can take away Fournette and make them pass with that offensive line, that quarterback, and those receivers. Another point yeah. about their offense kind of being one-dimensional is that in this game, perhaps more so than any the Titans will play this season, it's really important that they get off to a fast start because if the first quarter is over and it's 7-7, seven to seven, then the Jaguars are going to be encouraged and continue running the football down their throats and trying to establish this run game, off of which comes play action, and we're just going to get the same disaster that we saw on Christmas Eve last year. If at the end of the first quarter it's 14 nothing, the Jags are going to panic and try to start throwing the football and neglect mm-hmm. the running game. That's what you want to happen. Yeah, so let's not do an onside kick on the first play <laughs> of the game then. Please no. Uh, I mean, we've been banging the drum to just start hot and just get off to a good early start, and it did not happen in the Raiders game, and you saw what happened. The Raiders controlled the game with short passes uh, and their running game for almost almost the whole game, really, uh, particularly in the second half once they once they started getting leads with uh, with field goals from the greatest kicker of all time, Giorgio Tavecchio, which was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that was ridiculous. But, um, yeah, no. 
that's that's all I have to say. Uh, you know, I I I agree that the Titans need to get off to a fast start. You want them to play from behind, but I can't help thinking all last year, every other game, we would start off the drive with some really weird play, like. It, it, sometimes it worked, like the quarterback keep on uh, the first day, first game uh, against first play against the Browns. Yeah, that was a great play. Mm-hmm. But then you also think, you know, they ended up throwing it to Taylor Lewan against the Colts, which, like I said, it worked. But it's all these weird kind of cutesy plays, you know, the weird tight end screens. Uh, Do you all remember these the, uh, kind of- last year when they lined up DeMarco uh, empty as a Wildcat and Marcus out wide and they tried to – let him beat TJ Ward one on one. Yeah, although to be fair, uh, Mariota did catch a touchdown pass against the Jets yeah. in his rookie year. So, like he he can do it. Like if any quarterback in the league can motion out and do it, I'm I'm cool with Mariota doing it. But it, I mean, doesn't it always seem like there's a couple of those plays that they try to get yeah. early for no reason? Like there's no setup to it. They're still kind of in their shell based defense, and that there you know it's a real weird thing that there's no like rhyme or reason to. I feel like if you hit one of those, great, you get mo- get good momentum, just like the onside kick. You know, there's something funky that they're going to try to do every week to, you know, get ahead early. And I wonder if that's mm-hmm. kind of in their head that they know that if they can get that early lead, that the team is more confident and that they do better. Because if it is, they've got to shake that and just get to the point where they play good, fundamental, sound football. Because that's what won them games against Kansas City. You know, it's what, you know, and, and I was going to say what, what helped them against uh, Green Bay, but they also had a halfback pass for a touchdown against Green Bay. <laughs> so, you, you know, it seems like they always want to pull out some sort of trick to, you know, put the exotic and exotic smash mouth or whatever you want to say. But I hope they don't do that this week. I hope they just have a solid game plan that works on the first drive, just like it works on the last drive and most yeah. drives in between. <laughs> Before we continue talking about the Jaguars, I want to bring up one more point from the Oakland Raiders game. And that's that all off season, all we heard was special teams are going to be better. The special teams are going to be better. Frankly, I was very unimpressed in in the first regular season game. Lots of penalties, poor decisions in the kicking game. I mean, the first thing, I mean, I'm not a special teams coordinator, but I know that when Cordero Patterson is your kick returner, you never kick him the football. It should either go out the back of the end zone or be a, a line drive squib kind of kick. And in the third quarter, when the Titans needed a, a, a quick turnaround and a quick three and out, they kick it right to him on the two-yard line. I mean, it just seems like no matter what happens, this team cannot play sound special teams without getting a penalty or allowing a big kick return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Cordero had a pretty, pretty good kick return. I mean, you saw you saw what the Raiders did uh, with with their new kicker. They just kicked it deep every single time, uh, and they got a touchback. I think almost every every time except for the one where. Uh, Adori brought it out, and he made a re- he made a really good play. I don't know how yeah. he bounced off that first tackle, and then he hurdled. That was awesome. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like I we're mean, just cursed on. If you're playing random no name kick returner, kick it to the two and try to tackle him inside the twenty five. But if you're playing right. Cordero Patterson, Tyreek Hill, Patrick Peterson, I don't know any of these guys who are these all pro kick returners, kick it out the back of the end zone every single time. Yeah. I have a hard time believing Suckup can't do it, so this should be, should be done every time. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I've i kind of heard it the other way this week about how people wish that we would have kicked it on the two and then tried to make a big play. And I'm like, have y'all watched Cordero Patterson? There's a reason why he's been to the Pro Bowl twice as a returner. You know, he is, I mean, in a, in a conference with uh, Tyler Lockett and other explosive guys in the NFC that they had. So, yeah, I don't think people really understand how dynamic he is. But, uh, you know... You never kick it to Cordero Patterson, just like you should never kick it to Adoree Jackson. You, you know, you should never kick it if Christian McCaffrey's back there. You know, find ways around that. So, you know, I, I would kick it out of the back of the end zone every time. I think the punt coverage was good. It's something that we don't talk mm-hmm. about a lot. There was no slips in punt coverage. That, you know, there, was, there wasn't that play where a guy kind of skirts the sideline and runs for 15 yards like we saw in most games last year. Too many penalties, you know, so, though, was my problem. Yeah, yeah but – the the Trawick penalty wasn't a penalty. He got blocked into the kicker. So that that was the big penalty that kind of uh, ended up in the field goal, right? So if that penalty's not there, which like I said, it shouldn't be. You can't get blocked into the kicker. It's you know that's not how that should be called. It's just a bad call by the referee. So if you take that play away, that's a three point play for the Titans. So I I don't know. I, I I'm with you on the other ones, but I think that one's getting a lot of flack. And I, I think that Malarkey said it too. He said that was a bad call and I, I agree but at the same time I guess you don't really want to be in that position at all I, I like to think it would get cleaned up later but I mean apparently a special teams coach is the second hardest thing to find in the NFL behind the quarterback so if you can find a good one keep him or he's going to be a head coach soon like Harbaugh and the guy in, like Tobe in Kansas City mm-hmm. so last year when these two teams faced off in Jacksonville it was Christmas Eve uh, quarterback Marcus Mariota uh, broke his leg. Very unfortunate. If the Titans want to win on Sunday, uh, they can't let that happen again, number one. And number two, they need him to, with his not broken leg, uh, play a little bit better than he did last week. Because I-, I thought he played fine last week, but there was no you know sizzle star power or anything like that. It was He was very much checked down Charlie for the entire game. They have the protection... I mean, they have that great offensive line. They have the running game. Why do they still refuse to work the ball downfield consistently? They have the weapons now to do so with Decker, and and they still have Walker, and now they have Corey Davis. Yeah, it's weird. I, I thought Mariota played actually very well, um, and so did Corey Davis, Delaney Walker, and Rashard Matthews. Uh, Eric Decker still getting his, his feet from under him, I think. Uh, he, he looked a bit slow, a bit un- indecisive. Uh, he fell down on a couple routes, which I, I didn't like to see, but I, I think it'll just take a couple more weeks for him to get going. Um, but, yeah, and it was surprising because the Raiders don't exactly have a daunting secondary by any means, but uh, the last two seasons, even with the, the same type of secondary, uh, they've limited the Titans, especially in the passing game, which is which has been really interesting. And I think with some of it comes down to play calling. Uh, but a lot of it is just execution, uh, especially once we get to the Raiders' territory, uh, even in the red zone. Mariota's been great in the red zone throughout his career, but I, I don't know. This 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 past week's game just it's it seemed weird uh, in a lot of aspects, um, and they definitely have to be more decisive in their play calling, uh, more decisive just in the way they ex- execute those passing plays, uh, and it'll help if our running game plays better than. Uh, than in the than in last week's game because it, that can set up the play action and just make everything easier uh, for the entire offense. 
I think the healthier Corey Davis gets, the more shot plays you'll see deep. Yeah, I think that confidence has to build, but uh, you know, I think you have to be really happy with what Davis did. I think you'll see more Taewon Taylor uh, later in the season. I don't know why he didn't get more snaps this game. That doesn't make any sense to me, but I think those two guys should have a big impact on the downfield passing. Uh, having said that, the Titans ended up 11th, tied for 11th in passing yards uh, around the NFL this week, tied with Pittsburgh, who went against the Browns. So it always takes a little bit longer for guys to get into a rhythm, especially when Corey Davis and Eric Decker both missed substantial time in the preseason and Rashard Matthews missed some time too. You know, that, that chemistry is just not there yet. And like I said, you know, both of those two guys that were injured are maybe not 100%. I know Davis said he was 90% and he was working towards 100 And Decker hadn't said anything, but that he clearly wasn't 100%. You know, that wasn't the guy that you saw against Carolina in those clips, but, you know, in the offseason. That guy had different speed. So Decker was either heavily wrapped or he's not 100% or whatever. So you hope that fixes. But, you know, to end up 11th against a defense that has given the Titans problems for the last couple of years, I think they'll trend forward and they'll end up more in that top 10 range, especially if they use those uh, three wide receiver sets. But I don't know. I think we'll see a lot more this year of, you know, this game we're going fully committed to the run game, and this game we're going to go three wide receiver sets. And I think the first game of the season they tried to go three wide receiver sets, and Decker kind of wasn't there when they thought he would be, and that led to some third downs or some drop passes in the red zone. And then, you know, that kind of trickled down and ended up, you know, not looking great at the end of the day. But I think the next time they try to go to that offense, because I don't think it'll be this week, I think it'll be there. I don't think we used our rookies enough. We used Corey Davis enough, but we didn't use Taiwan. I was surprised Johnu Smith was not very involved at all. John was fantastic in the preseason. There's no such thing as enough Corey Davis. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, Johnu Smith had a bad game, which was weird. You know, he missed the key block on the – uh, the pitch on third down, you know, he, he had a not great day. I wonder if he bounces back and they try to get him some looks and try to get him really in form to see if they can trust him this week. Yeah. And give Taiwan some deep shots because yeah, he can get open deep at least one or two a game. Yeah. I mean, put him in the slot and then have him split the seam and then just see if you can get anything. Yeah, exactly. On that point about the uh, the three wide receiver formations, which the Titans ran 77% of the time against the Oakland Raiders, uh, in doing so, they went away from what their real identity is, and that's running the football. And I, I have no problem with them throwing the ball more because they have the weapons to do so now, but you can't throw the ball more and forget about what your identity is. And their identity should be running the football to set up the passing game instead of passing the football and every now and then we'll run up the middle on first down because that's kind of what they did last week and it's one reason why I think anyway that they were never able to get any sort of consistent rhythm going on offense they have to run the ball early and often against Jacksonville not just to slow down the pass rush but to make the entire offense click and work better yeah we kind of touched on we all kind of touched on it in the in the offseason just by way of the moves that the Titans made 
uh, we kind of just knew that they were moving to a three wide receiver offense uh, and that the offense was going to change at least a little bit, uh, especially with the with the uh, departure of Anthony Fasano. Uh, two tight end sets just weren't going to be as prevalent. Uh, and definitely with the, all the wide receiver additions, we knew it was going to happen. Um, but I really didn't like seeing the Titans go away from that. I think some of it was, uh, depended on game script. Uh, because we did have to throw just to uh, just to stay in the game, ju- just in case it didn't get uh, out of hand, because uh, the Raiders were moving the ball very effectively. Um, but in a game against the Jaguars, um, they're not going to be able to to pull away, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So this is a good game for the Titans to get back to to what really worked for them last season uh, and run the ball effectively with both Demarco and Derrick Henry, and even with Mariota, who's had a lot of success running against the Jaguars in the past. Yeah, I mean, I think you want to find Yannick Ngakwe and Dante Fowler and just run at them all night. I mean, uh, whether they're lined up wide outside on outside of your tight end or if they're inside, whatever, you've got to have Mariota, you know, call that play at the line. And if neither one of them are out there or if they've got, you know, Campbell or Malik Jackson right in front of them, then you've got to audible out and let him control that. But, Really, the run game should be straightforward and hard-hitting unless Derrick Henry's in, and then they should go out wide and let him build up some speed and go up against their smaller linebackers. But I'd expect a heavy dose of DeMarco Murray trying to show everybody that he's you know, really 100% and deserves to be the bell cow. Speaking of the mm-hmm. idea of like him being 100%, I saw a lot of people after the game, they were like, man, DeMarco looks slow. He didn't have that same burst he had last year. I thought he looked fine. He just didn't get the ball enough. He looked fine on the on the twenty one yard carry. I didn't see anyone complaining about that yeah, one. Yeah, there was um, nothing yeah. on that that made me think, "Wow, he's lost a step." Like he looked like Demarco Murray. Yeah, he, he didn't look bad at all. Twelve for forty four is, is fine. I mean, the run blocking left a little bit to be desired, but it wasn't all that bad. I mean, and Demarco's coming off a hamstring injury, so he's not going to be exactly uh, vintage Demarco Murray yet, but. Uh, he looked fine. Him and him and Henry weren't weren't terrible at all in this in this game. So I wrote a lot about uh, the offense this morning. How people shouldn't be worried. The Titans averaged four and a half yards a carry, which was third best in the league uh, last week with teams that had over twenty rushes. And to be fair, Mariota had a long run in there, and there was a long run from Demarco Murray. But that's what you have to factor in with this offense. I mean, I think I think. Mariota being a runner is a big deal, and I think that will help DeMarco Murray if he's not 100%. Having said that, I think he is 100%. He looked fine to me. I mean, I don't know what people want from a volume from a guy who's had 20, 25 touches in most of the games of his career when he's really gotten hot when he gets 14 carries. I mean, he's not going to put up 100 yards on 14 carries. Mm-hmm. Well, he had 12. When's the last time he had 12 carries well, in a game? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it was I don't know what the expectations were. I mean, that's got to be fantasy outcry. Like that, yeah. it, it was. Uh, I I don't understand it. Them throwing the ball forty one times and running it twelve with one of the best backs in the entire league. It, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had eleven in the last game of last season, but that's because Derrick Henry was getting a lot of work. So that's not going to happen again. I, I I'm pretty sure Demarco's going to get like twenty in this game. Uh, and if he gets just 80, 85 yards, it's fine with me, just as long as he looks good. 
uh, and hopefully he catches a couple more passes out of the backfield. Yeah, I mean, we may see like a complete overcorrection game. Like we may see, you know, 40 combined touches between the two running backs and Mariota. Like like the Denver game last year almost. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, something like that. Like make a concerted effort to we're going to pound the ball on first, second, and third down, no matter what the distance, which is what they did against the Colts last year too, and it didn't Oof. work. So I mean, you <laughs> know that yeah, I think so. you know that they'll they'll be committed for a whole game if that's what they want. But yeah, they're they're gonna overcorrect a little bit just because all they've seen is oh they weren't the physical team they you know they got away from their yeah. identity this that and other which is you know more true than not. But at the same time, I think Malarkey and uh, Rubisky are a little bit sensitive to that kind of stuff, you know, which they shouldn't be. They should be, you know, clear in what they're doing, but I think they are sensitive to that, so I think we'll see an overcorrection. Last week against the Raiders, the Titans played a quarterback who finished in the top five of NFL MVP voting last year. This week they played Blake Bortles. Uh, (laughs) Much, uh, very very big turnaround. Uh, Unlike last week where Derek Carr is probably not going to be phased with anything, this week, and it starts with, with the man with the headset on and Coach LeBeau, the Titans have to make life miserable for Blake Bortles. And you don't make life miserable for Blake Bortles by rushing four and playing man coverage. Mm-hmm. You make life miserable for Blake Bortles with stunts, with blitzes. You have to confuse him and, and force him to make mistakes because he's proven that he will make mistakes, and he's made mistakes against the Titans. They have to force him into those mistakes. They can't wait for it to happen. I'll say this about Blake Bortles. He actually didn't look terrible in last week's game. Uh, He made a couple nice passes. Uh, Even, like, I mean, his mechanics are still completely all over the place, but he made some nice throws to the sideline, uh, even with pressure in his face. So that that was intriguing, to say the least. Um, But, no, we're not going to see him throw the ball 40 times. Uh, But I don't think 21 attempts is unsustainable, especially for a team like the Jaguars. Uh, So he's definitely going to get up to like maybe the 30 range in this game, uh, which bodes well for the Titans because the more he throws the ball, uh, the more chance of him throwing an interception, which he's prone to do. Uh, The problem is uh, last season, Blake Bortles tore us a new one uh, in both games. Although the, the one of the Thursday night game, uh, all, all of that came in the second half. The Jags when got they garbage were time down. Thursday night game. Yeah, yeah that was all was garbage time. Mm-hmm. The second game was, oh man, let's not even talk about it. Yeah, But I, I'm not expecting Burles to have a great game. Uh, and like you said, just coming up with some with some, with some blitz designs, uh, Dick LeBeau could definitely get a couple turnovers out of Bortles, which would be huge uh, in a game like this. Yeah, I mean, I think you treat Blake Bortles like a rookie quarterback at this point. And and I don't mean that as like a derogatory way or anything like that, but I think you take everything that's easy and convenient for him off the table. You know, you cover the tight end well. You make sure you put your best corner on their best receiver and then let everything else kind of fall by the wayside. And you send pressure and make sure there's no easy dump-offs. You know, you take Mm -hmm. away the screen, you watch all that. If he beats you on, you know, 20-yard posts that are, you know, five second plays you you have to live with that if your guys can't beat their their guys then that's that's on you as an organization but if you give him the dump offs and the screens and the quick slants because you're playing him the same way you played car then 
you're in trouble and you're making a serious mistake. I mean, you want to play him more like you're going to play Deshaun Watson than how you played Carr. Yeah, just blitz him and play play tight coverage. They have no one that can beat you deep. They don't have fast play, fast receivers, and they don't have guys that high point the ball like an Allen Robinson does. So just just take away all the intermediate game and let him beat you deep. If he beats you deep, then fine, whatever. Good for Blake Bortles, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, and and let let Adoree bait uh, Bortles like he did in college with mm-hmm. uh, Washington against Washington. I mean, let him play five seven yards off the ball with the eyes on the quarterback and then adjust after that you know don't don't make him play you know man covered soft without safety help put a safety back there if you really want to get aggressive and then let him jump routes Mm -hmm. this might be painful for some of our listeners uh but i think it needs to be done i want to read some stats from when the titans faced the jaguars on christmas eve (laughs) why would you do this (laughs) blake bortles (laughs) 26 of 38 for 325, a touchdown, and a 103.5 quarterback rating. My God. He also (laughs) caught a touchdown from Marquise Lee. And here's where things get fun, mainly because some of the players involved in this game for the Titans were Valentino Blake. Uh, This was after Parrish Cox, so he wouldn't have been involved. Uh, Mm -hmm. Allen Robinson, who, who won't play, uh, nine catches, 147 yards, no touchdowns, with a long of 37. He averaged 16.3 yards per his nine catches. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, we, ha- we haven't beaten the Jaguars on the road since 2013. And that, honestly, that's kind of sad. Even though we've had some bad rosters, this is a team that you should beat at pretty much every time you play them. Uh, I know they've they're off season champs again and everyone's crowning them after a win against Tom Savage. <laughs> they're still the Jaguars. <laughs> I've had enough of it. I don't know what yeah. this hype is about. They're not gonna throw the ball twenty one times a game and just just stifle teams with their defense. It's unsustainable. And it starts this week. I hope so. Two more, yeah. two more stats from this game that kind of go along with some of the things we've been talking about. One sack for the Titans in this game, which is a big reason that Blake Bortles was able to sit back there, and it didn't even come from the front four. It came from Sean Spence, who isn't even here anymore. And two passes defended. Two. That is not good. And we, one of we. them came from Brian Arakpo tipping it at the line of scrimmage. Uh, which which usually is Casey's job. So, I mean, you, you would think he would at least get one of them. Actually, it was Casey. It wasn't a rack post. Oh, there bad. you go. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it's all that <laughs> off-season film study, guys. <laughs> um, before we wrap up, uh, let's go through some of the injury situations. Uh, the Titans will be without cornerback Ty Smith and safety Jonathan Cyprian. Both have been ruled out. They will have linebacker mm-hmm. Wesley Woodyard and... Uh, defensive tackle Jarrell Casey. As for the Jacksonville Jaguars, cornerback A.J. Boye returned to practice on Friday. However, Jalen Ramsey did not, and he will be a game-time decision. If Jalen Ramsey is not able to go, one of the best players on their team, uh, the Titans already have a big advantage in that whoever Ramsey's not covering is going to have a big size advantage on Boye. If Ramsey doesn't play, how much does that boost the Titans' chances of winning? Uh, a pretty good amount because Jalen Ramsey's almost at the level of a shutdown corner. He's almost that good at this point. 
Um, I'm expecting Richard Matthews to see Boye pretty often um, and Davis to line up mostly where Ramsey would. Uh, and if Corey Davis gets not Jalen Ramsey, then Corey Davis could have a pretty big game in this one, uh, which is something I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not in the desert or anything, but I would imagine it's like a four-point swing because it changes the way the whole defense has to play. You know, last mm-hmm. week they went man-to-man on the outside and then let everything else sort itself out. If you don't have, you know, two guys that you're paying – or you know, are gonna pay twelve million dollars a year to play cornerback. That's a big issue. Like mm-hmm. you can't do that. Or if you do, you've got to live with the consequences. You know, you can't bring that extra safety in the box to stop the running game, which is what the Titans are gonna try to make them do. You know, they're they're gonna try to dictate that safety to come in the box and keep all your linebackers in. And then if if you do that, if you manage to stop the running game, then they're just going to throw it over the top or they're going to hit a quick slant with Corey Davis or they're going to go on the fade with their short. You know, they, they've got things they like to do to counter a successful running game and when they make a defense really alter their scheme. So if you take those two guys out, you've got a real chance to do something, you know, in terms of explosive plays. So I think it's a big deal if he doesn't play. Mm-hmm. Last thing before we get out of here. Uh, I want each of you to give me one key to the game. We've talked about a lot of things, but break it down to just one thing that you think is the most important. Hold Leonard Fournette to under four yards carry, and then we'll win the game. I I agree with that completely. I mean, he's their whole offense after Allen Robinson has gone down. Pretty much. Uh, I think you have to make the offensive line look like what it really is a group led by rookies and guys or rookie and guys who should be backups on other teams. You know, you've really got to expose cam Iraq has got to destroy cam Robinson. You know, you've got to remind mm-hmm. people why Linder's overrated despite his paycheck. You've got to go down that line and say, this is why we didn't bring in Leonard Williams or go after, you know, a big name defensive tackle or defensive end early in this draft, you know, explain your decisions and your personnel with a good game this week. And give Josh Carraway some playing time. Yes. <laughs> I think one, I think one reason that they didn't take Leonard Fournette is because uh, they took someone named Marcus Mariota. Or Leonard Williams, yeah. Or Leonard, that, Leonard Williams, my bad, my bad. Yeah, that's, that's a good reason not to say. But, you know, we always could have had Mettenberger and Leonard Williams, which basically <laughs> would have... That that's the Greg Cosell way. Every, everybody's real quick to talk about how Greg Cosell would dissect the Titans until they remember that. So, oh god, so bad. On on Sunday, the Tennessee Titans will be in Jacksonville, Duval County, Florida, at noon to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. That will be on CBS. We will be back early next week to recap that game. Until then, for Matthias Wadner, Will Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham. Thank you for listening to the Titan Size Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, and we will talk to everybody next week.